Welcome to CooperCast, Go Ask Al, episode 21. This is your host, Al's Tuna, John Sachs. We hear listener questions and appreciations about Camille, Sharon Mitchell, being kind to a younger music dude, the importance of being yourself, lost performance tapes, Max's Kansas City, and about Jews and Blacks and music. After each answer from Al, Nilly the dog adds a brief comment of her own. Jim, also known as Slugger AHS, says, Happy birthday, Al. Still asking, who was Camille? No such person. So you wrote a song about him. It was just a name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Camille's a great name to write a song about. I was, the other day I was thinking about, I love the name Ruby. I've never actually met a woman named Ruby. Well, I did once. When I was driving for a lift. I picked up a passenger named Ruby, so... Okay, John, J. Morgs 12, says, I was sitting next to Sharon Mitchell at the bottom line when she stripped down and slithered on stage to you, playing fool your, to you playing fool for your stockings. I still have the placard from the table that said reserved Mitchell. Quite a night, I must say. I remember reading somewhere that you have a video of that show. If you do, I'm in it. Third chair, center stage. Thanks for your music. Life is good. From John. They didn't show very much of that table, I'll tell you that. <laughs> they were in the video. They're pretty much uh, aimed at, at Sharon Mitchell on stage stripping, huh? Okay. Well, that's not a question. It's another appreciation. And we appreciate the appreciations, don't we? Yes. Alley Cat uh Alley Cat says, hi, you won't remember me, but we were around the L.A. record business maybe 68 through 71 or so. I would have been 16 to 21 years old back then. You were already rocking and doing great. I was starting. You were always kind to me. Now, 100 years later, I see a story about you, and I thought I should write this lame note. It's been quite a wild, successful ride for me, too. I'm grateful. Anyway... Thanks for being nice to the newbie. And he's actually... Uh, What's the name? His name is Michael Lloyd, and he works for Curb Records. Sounds f familiar. Yeah. Well, gun on you that you were nice to a young guy starting out. Not everybody is. <laughs> Here's an email from the Bay Lodge. And the Bay Lodge says, wishing you a happy birthday and many more, and thank you for being yourself. She's glad that you're not somebody else. Me too. Right. Although, actually, I, when I read this, I was thinking about it kind of, to some extent, we really don't have a choice about being ourselves, but there are people who... Oh, that's not true. That's not true? Yeah. Give me a good counterexample of that. Somebody trying to be somebody else all their life. Uh, Fabian. <laughs> and who was Fabian trying to be? Um, Frankie Avalon. <laughs> and who was Frankie trying to be? I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're right. There, there, there were a lot of people trying to be Bob Dylan. There's no question about that. Yeah. You know. Uh, not, not a smart move to try to. Uh, there are a few Al Cooper organ players too. <laughs> 
Bruce, Captain McComer, says, Hello, Al. I used to produce the BBC Rock Hour syndicated radio concert program. I recorded your band at Jonathan Swift's with the real-time mobile unit in 1982 for the BBC and for another program called Concert Magazine. I recalled at the time having to bludgeon the Beeb into taking the show. But it was worth it. The reason I'm writing is that the masters from many of those shows recently came back into my possession. I was wondering if you were interested in any of the masters from your show. If so, I would be pleased to give them to you. Also, I'm back in the remote recording game, so if you ever wanted to record any of your gigs with your upcoming projects, I'd be happy to volunteer. Did you contact Bruce about getting those masters? Hmm. Are you interested? Hmm? Are you gonna? Should should you? I don't know what I would use them for. Well, it might be. Uh, this was he says eighty two. Yeah. Was eighty two? What band were you? <clears throat> it was Al Cooper, probably. Just okay. Could have been anything from you with a piano to a medium sized band, right? Yeah. Well, I mean. Um, I think it would be interesting to hear them. Who knows? I I just finished a, a four CD box set, You're which tired. included yeah. my whole career. So uh, he's a day late and a dollar short. Ain't we all? <laughs> Here's an easy one from uh, Owatag. I can't. This is tough. Owatagusiam. I don't think I'm pronouncing that, but I don't know if it's pronounceable. Owatagusiam. So the question is very simple. Did you frequent Max's Kansas City in the early 70s? Absolutely. My, uh, uh, my girlfriend, who became my second wife, was a waitress there. Mm. And that's probably how it started. I see. And um, and so I would go there and wait for her shift to end and then abscond with her. Now, just to be clear, Max's Kansas City was not in Kansas City. It was in New York City. That's right. It was the name of, uh, Kansas, probably short for Kansas City Steakhouse. It was, was it a music joint or just a big restaurant? They had music. I played there, too. Okay. So the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, plus met his second wife there. <laughs> Dr. Licks wants to know, Hey Al, we met in 2004 at the Berkeley Performance Center. I was the producer and writer of the movie Standing in the Shadows of Motown, and I managed the Funk Brothers and was their music director, conductor, and one of their guitarists. We had a great hang that night backstage before the show, during which you told me the story of your pilgrimage to Criterion Studios in Miami after hearing Betty Wright's Clean Up Woman. The reason I'm writing to you is that I'm working on a new music doc about the historic relationship between Jews and blacks in the music business since the early 1900s. We're covering everything from minstrelsy and vaudeville all the way up to hip-hop. All the villains and heroes will be covered in this production. Leonard Bernstein, Jerry Wexler, Muddy Waters, the Chess Brothers, Quincy Jones, Mo Levy, Herman Lubinsky, Scott Joplin, Benny Goodman, Russell Simmons, Rick Rubin, Barry Gordy, Sonny Rollins, etc. 
We'd love to interview on film if you're interested. We have a great chorus of celebrated journalists and social scientists. How old is this? This actually was February 10th. It's just a, less than a month old. Did oh, you, okay. Did you get back to him? I don't think so. Should you? You want to? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll make sure uh, uh, I'll, I'll write down the info. That's quite a list of people he spins out. Leonard well, he Burns, left out a few. Well, I mean, the reason I would get in touch with him was um, that when I worked with um, Betty Wright. Yeah. That was because I knew uh, the uh, the ringleader producer there from when I was in the Royal Teens. Steve. Alemo. Alemo. And I love the Betty Wright record so much. I'm sure we discussed this. Oh, yeah, twice. Yeah. Yeah. We did a lot on Little Beaver. Okay, here's the third time. <laughs> and um, so I went down there. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I walked, without knowing anybody, and uh, walked in the door, and, uh, and Steve Lamo was there, and we both recognized each other, although... It was probably at least ten years since we'd seen each other. Yeah, was he in the teen, Royal Teens? No, he was a famous singer at the time, solo singer. Oh, okay. So you were he on had, shows where yes. Yeah, so he had a, a big hit record called "Every Day I Have to Cry Some." Mm. Every day I have to die some. Wipe the water from my eyes. Um, and uh, I love that record. Do you know who wrote that? No. Nope. Hmm. But um, but we became, you know, Hello, How Are You? Because we did a lot of shows together when I was in the Royal Teens. And, and so when I walked into that place, he was there. Right. And that started, re-upped our relationship. And I did a lot more because of him. Yeah, I think I told you, you used to come home from school and watch where the action is, and Steve Alamo was. He was a regular, yeah. Along with Paul Revere and the Raiders, mm -hmm. and I don't remember too many of the other names, but Paul Revere and the Raiders actually played in tri-corner hats. Yes. This has been Coopercast. Go ask Al, episode twenty-one, brought to you by Being Yourself. And you can also submit questions for Al at alcooper.com on the Coopercast page.